Hello, Gator Nation, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Happy Tuesday to everyone out there in podcast listening land. Hope you guys had a great Labor Day, a great weekend watching some college football, and most importantly, hope you are staying safe and you are ready for this hurricane if you're in its path. So far, it looks like the Florida Gators will not be in the path of this storm. Scott Strickland coming out on Twitter Tuesday and saying the game is still scheduled to take place against UT Martin on Saturday in the Swamp, so we will preview that game throughout this week. But on today's show, we're going to recap everything that happened over the weekend from the college football scene some gators in the news and the florida football team dropping in the most recent poll so we'll talk about all of that and more here on the latest edition of locked on gators your team every day and if you did see the polls come out today you saw florida drop two spots in the coaches poll to number 10 three spots in the ap poll to number 11 bit surprising to see that result i could understand maybe the the gators dropping one spot just based on some of the games that were played and uh, if you want to award some of these teams for the wins that they got but the teams that are jumping florida notre dame texas and auburn i mean maybe i'll buy texas but i did not think that notre dame or auburn looked better than florida in their season opener and especially i don't think the gators are getting enough credit for having beat a miami team that may turn out to be much better i don't think that dan mullen cares much about about it. We will hear from him and the players on Wednesday. Florida canceled its media availabilities on Monday and Tuesday because campus is closed in response to the storm approaching the state. It is not expected to have an effect on Gainesville. And I don't, again, I don't think that this, these rankings are going to have much an effect on this football team. Certainly might give them a reason to get motivated, but uh, just surprising that the Gators are almost being penalized for not playing this past weekend. But one guy who wasn't penalized for not playing this last weekend was Jonathan Green who was named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week by the conference, despite it being more than a week since he suited up in the season opener against Miami. None of the other defensive linemen put on a performance last weekend that surpassed what he was able to do against the Hurricanes. So props to Greenard. In his debut with the Gators, he really had an impressive performance. Greenard played almost every snap in the game. He finished with six tackles, two for a loss, and a sack and a half. That contributed to Florida's 10 sacks in the game, the most by an SEC team since 2008 and the highest single game total for the Gators since 1996 when they had nine sacks against Auburn but this is a big honor for him come out of the gate after getting injured in the season opener the year prior against Alabama. His season comes to an end. He was supposed to have a big year for Louisville, catapult him into the NFL draft, and instead he has a hand injury, misses the year, transfers to Florida, and gets to have his debut in a rivalry game on a big stage in week zero, and Greenard really came to play. I mean, he was one of Florida's most impressive defenders, despite all the elite talent that the Gators have on that side of the ball, and we'll talk about how Grantham is working, both he and Jeremiah Moon at that buck position in this segment, but you really got to admire Dan and the coaching staff for what they've been able to do with not only Greenard, but all the transfers that they've got on board since they got to UF. Every offseason, they've gone out now and added some impact players to their roster. We see last year with Van Jefferson, Trevon Grimes, and even Adam Schuler being added to the roster and the impact that those guys had, especially down the stretch when you think of Schuler and the way that he was playing toward the end of the year and Grimes having to step up with Cleveland's injury in the fourth 
Florida State game, and everybody knows how big Van Jefferson was throughout the year for Florida. And carry over into this season, Shuler is still one of Florida's best defensive linemen. Jefferson is still one of Frank's go-to guys, and you saw Frank's also hit Trevon Grimes on that fourth down conversion against Miami. So the Gators are getting some big-time impact from the transfers that they've been able to get through the portal. And Greenard is just the latest one. Now, with him coming on board, it's really important for Florida because Ja'Kai Polite, last season to the NFL draft, he left early, and there was some concern about how the Gators were going to replace him. They were able to get Greenard from Louisville, a guy that Todd Grantham recruited to the Cardinals, was able to coach him for a year, and he really felt like he was a fit for his scheme and for that position. And he's come in and been a seamless transition to that buck position. He helped the Gators during the spring when Jeremiah Moon was out with his injury, and now he's been able to assume that starting role. But it's not just him that's taking the load there. Both he and Moon are playing at that buck spot, and as Will Salmon from The Athletic pointed out this week, Todd Grantham did a really good job of using both Moon and Greenard against Miami. He had Moon and Greenard on the field for 48 of the 71 snaps that the Gators played defensively, and to have those two guys on the field is really big for Florida. Now, we all see what Greenard can do and kind of the hype that he came in with from Louisville, but Moon is just starting to come into his own. For folks that don't remember his recruitment, I covered him in high school, and Jeremiah Moon has a really, really interesting recruiting story. When he was at a high school camp as a freshman, he was really lanky. He had medical issues growing up with his knees and his body just not filling out right, and it was something that he struggled with as he got into the sport of football, but always knew that one day he would have a chance to kind of fill out his frame and grow into a big-time football player. But at this point, as a ninth grader, he was still not there and he was at this summer camp and Javon Curse, the freak, picked Jeremiah Moon out of a crowd, pulled him over to the side and told Jeremiah Moon, when I was your age, I looked just like you. My arms were long. Over time, my body filled out and I became a big time football player. You keep at it, keep working and the same thing will happen to you. And I'll be damned if not only Moon committed to Florida, but he came in And he was the same exact height and measurables as Javon Kurse was coming out of high school. It took him a while with the coaching change and some of the scheme changes to find where he fit in this defense. But Grantham has found the spot for Moon. He's finding ways to both get him and Greenard on the field. And I think that you're starting to see Moon also fulfill his potential. If you remember, he was in there on that first series against Miami making a play. And he was the guy that brought down Jaron Williams on the final play. So he, like Greenard, made some big plays in the backfield from that buck spot and I think that you're going to see both of those guys wreaking havoc for Florida this season. When we come back from this break we'll recap all the action from week one of the college football season and some just awful losses for teams on Florida's schedule. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. The NFL season begins this week which means Crossover Wednesday is back. For the entire NFL regular season, you'll get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcast, and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment. Everyone loves the comfort of their own home, but there's nothing like going to a game and being a fan in the stands. And whether you're looking for seats on the 50-yard line or front row tickets to see your favorite band in person, Vivid Seats is here to help you. Vivid Seats is the top source for purchasing event tickets in the online marketplace. You can search for seats by section, row, and price, all in the Vivid Seats app. The in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards, allows you to purchase tickets to any concert, game, or show and earn credit towards your next live event. Visit the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Do that and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. 
Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From sporting events to theater shows, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the Vivid Seats app and become part of their loyalty program today. Welcome back into Locked on Gators. In this segment, we will discuss all the action from over the weekend in college football and what a weekend it was. Some really good games and some terrible showings from a few Power 5 programs. And we got to start with your Florida State Seminoles up in Tallahassee losing their season opener at home to Boise State. The game originally supposed to take place in Jacksonville, but moved to Tallahassee due to Hurricane Dorian. And the Seminoles jumped on Boise State pretty early in this game. Scored 21 points right out of the gate. At one point, they were ahead in the game 31-16 to and really had all the momentum going their way. But as the game wore on, even at the end of the first half, you could see Boise State starting to wear on the Seminoles as they were growing tired and just looked out of shape, especially in the second half. And Boise State was able to pull off a pretty epic comeback, led by a true freshman quarterback, and they're able to basically empty Dope Campbell Stadium. There weren't that many people there to begin with, but by the time the game was over it was empty and Florida State has now lost two games in a row at home against an orange and blue team wearing white tops and blue bottoms not the way Willie Taggart needed to start his 2019 tenure after going five and seven last year FSU missing a bowl game and he met with the media this week and gave some interesting theories as to why he thought his players struggled against Boise State chalking it up to hydration issues saying that his players didn't hydrate enough during the week and it caught up with them during Saturday's game. Just a really, really bad look for Willie to come out and say something like that. You also had his players meet with the media saying that they weren't conditioned properly. They weren't prepared for the game. I think the defensive lineman who spoke to reporters said, I wasn't prepared for the game and kind of laughed it off as if it was no big deal. It's certainly a big deal to all the Seminole fans. They are not happy with their head coach and their football team right now, but they're not the only big time programs who suffered an embarrassing loss in week one the Tennessee Vols go down to Georgia State 38-30 the final score of that game Georgia State just dominates the fourth quarter and really dominated the game and as you heard Steve Spurrier say in his comments about Tennessee's upset uh, this wasn't a fluke this wasn't a game where Georgia State got lucky they flat out beat Tennessee according to Spurrier after he watched the game and even made sure to take a little jab at the Vols saying I guess Rocky Top's gonna be Rocky Bottom for a couple weeks until they win I guess Yes. So it was a good shot there from Spurrier and not a good performance from Tennessee, but probably the worst performance of all came from their Twitter account as the Tennessee Volunteer Football account just stopped tweeting during the game. I think they tweeted into the fourth quarter. Their last tweet of the game came when Tennessee kicked the field goal to put them up. But that was it. The rest of the quarter, they never sent out any more tweets. They never sent out a tweet with the final score. No post-game updates. No, we'll be back next week. Nothing. They just went ghost on social media for over 24 hours. And it was a it was not a good look for Tennessee. And Jeremy Pruitt finds himself on the hot seat to start year two. And not a surprise to see him struggling. Look, he comes from the Saban tree. He's been a really respected coach during his career. But he was the 20th something pick for this job. And so it's not a surprise to see that he's having some trouble. And, and the Tennessee program is just not 
where it used to be, and that's reflective in this result. And even one of their local columnists called it the worst loss in program history. So not a good look for Florida's SEC East rival. And another SEC East opponent went down in South Carolina as the Gamecocks blow a second-half lead and lose to North Carolina And Mac Brown's return to the Tar Heels, his first game back as UNC's head coach, and they get an incredible win in a border rivalry. And the videos that came out after the game of Mac Brown dancing in the locker room are just priceless, man. That's why college football is so fun to see an old guy like that, years removed from the game, to be able to mix it up with all of his players and everybody that's a part of that program after the struggles that they had under Larry Fedora. And now Will Muschamp finds himself in a hole. He's facing a ton of heat from national and local media with this loss, but he's got a lot bigger problems than the outside noise now that his quarterback, Jake Bentley, has suffered an injury. If he needs surgery, he could be out for the season. If he doesn't need surgery, he could only miss six to eight weeks, but that means that the Gamecocks are now going with a true freshman as their starter. So, Tough sledding ahead for the former Florida football coach. He met with the media this week and made some comments that a lot of Florida fans and media members will remember from his time at UF when things were going south. We'll see if he gets a little bit more patience in Columbia, but it doesn't look like they will have Jake Bentley when the Gators make that trip in October. The Auburn Tigers will make their way to Gainesville in October for Florida's homecoming. They win their season opener against Oregon 27-21. Ended up being a really good game toward the end there. To start things out, the Tigers did not look great. They went with Bo Nix as their starting quarterback. He wins the job over Joey Gatewood, and Nix struggled early on. He ended up actually with his numbers not being that great. He did lead the Tigers on the game-winning drive, throws the touchdown pass there at the end to put them ahead, but just a lot of struggles from Gus Malzahn's team against a Pac-12 opponent that has a lot of talent in the Ducks, but this is still a team that Auburn should look much better against, but they were able to find a win had they lost that game Florida would have had five teams on its schedule that suffered a loss on the opening weekend of college football now the fourth team was Missouri as they fell at Wyoming and Kelly Bryant's debut and Kelly Bryant put up some really impressive numbers in Mizzou's offense had a chance there to lead them back at the end but they just could not stop Wyoming offensively they had some drives that stalled out Kelly Bryant did have some mistakes in the game and that's going to take some time for them to smooth that transition period out as he transfers in from Clemson but just not the way you wanted to open things up for the SEC especially the Eastern Division but again it was a nice debut now aside from the result of the game though numbers wise Kelly Bryant had some good statistics 423 passing yards 20 rushing yards two total touchdowns he did have the turnover and you saw some other transfer quarterbacks from around the country make their debut as well and make some big splashes none more so than Jalen Hurts the former Alabama quarterback making his start for Oklahoma leads them to a 49 to 31 win over Houston his numbers Three hundred and thirty-two passing yards, one hundred and seventy-six rushing yards, six total touchdowns. That's more than Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray had in their debut with the Sooners combined. So a big night for Jalen Hurts against Houston, and also a big day for Justin Fields with Ohio State. With Ohio State, he passes for two hundred and thirty-four yards, rushes for sixty-one, and scores five total touchdowns in their forty-five to twenty-one win over Florida Atlantic. And Jacob Eason, the former Georgia. Georgia quarterback and a 47 to 14 win over East Washington he threw for 349 passing yards and four total touchdowns so those
those were some of the performances from the transfer quarterbacks in week one. So there was a lot to be entertained by over the weekend. When we come back from this break, we'll give you our SEC power ratings after week one. We'll also discuss the former Gators who did and did not make the NFL 53-man roster cuts before the start of the regular season. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. This platform levels the playing field, so you have a higher likelihood of winning here than when playing traditional fantasy sports contests. Each contest contains anywhere from 5 to 10 player props. For example, will Tua throw for more than 2 TDs? You simply select over under for each prop and rank each pick based on your confidence of it being correct. You'll earn points based on correct picks and compete against other players for cash prizes i'm telling you guys it's an extremely fun daily fantasy contest to play that you can actually win no house advantage offers contests across college football nfl mlb nba college basketball pga and nascar download no house advantage from the app store and use the code locked on to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens a ten dollar value that's code locked on to receive two free tokens when you purchase two certain state limitations may affect your ability to participate in paid contests Welcome back to the show. In the final segment, we're going to give our SEC power rankings after week one, and we're also going to review the former Gators who made and did not make the NFL teams over the weekend. But let's start with our power rankings after week one. No surprise who sits at the top, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They opened the season with a 42-3 win over Duke. Two attack of low on that Alabama offense. Struggled a little bit early on, but eventually got it rolling against the Blue Devils, and that was just a matchup that was too much for them. We now know that the Miami Dolphins are tanking for Tua after sending Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills to the Houston Texans over the weekend. Number two in the SEC power rankings will go with Georgia. They opened the season with a 30-6 win over Vanderbilt in conference play. Jake Fromm didn't put up a lot of big numbers, less than 200 yards passing, but he didn't have to throw a lot against the Commodores. All he had to do was hand off to his running backs, and Georgia looks like they have another talented backfield once again. A little bit unfair to see Zamir White, the former number one running back in the country, made his debut with the Bulldogs after ACL injuries kept him out last year. He ran for 51 yards on five carries. You also saw James Cook get on the action, the younger brother of former Florida State running back Dalvin Cook. So again, a lot of talent in George's backfield, something to watch out for throughout the season. At number three in our power rankings, we're going to put Texas A&M as they open the season with a 41-7 win over Texas State. They will face the Clemson Tigers, certainly a marquee matchup, and we'll figure out how Jimbo Fisher and this Texas A&M program can match up with the defending national champs. And another big-time matchup next weekend will be LSU-Texas. The Tigers open up their season with a 55-3 win over Georgia Southern. And uh, I know when Florida fans hear that school's name, it brings up some bad memories. But the Tigers did a really good job defending that triple option that Georgia Southern likes to run. Joe Burrow looked really sharp. You saw Jamar Chase get in the end zone for a touchdown, the former Florida commit. We'll see how for real they are against Texas. I still give them the slight edge over Florida right now to start the season. I just think that that trip to Baton Rouge for the Gators is going to be a tough one. But again, we'll find out how good LSU is this weekend. I got Florida at number five after opening the season with the win over Miami. A lot of folks put Auburn probably in their power rankings ahead of Florida. I am not one of those people. I give credit to Bo Nix and the 
Tigers for finding a way to win that game, but they just did not impress me against the Oregon Ducks. I know that they have talent too, but that just did not look like a sharp football team. Gus Malzahn on the hot seat this year. Again, this was a big win for them, but I still think that Florida top to bottom is the better football team, has more talent, and is just in a more stable situation this season. At number seven, we'll go with Kentucky. They opened the season with a 38-24 win over Toledo. That's Florida's first road trip of the season. The Gators are going to go up there to Lexington later this month to try and avenge last season's loss in the swamp to UK. We'll see what the Wildcats are bringing to the table under Mark Stoops. Certainly, they showed what they're capable of last season. And even though they lost a lot of talent, they bring back their starting quarterback and a couple other key players. At number eight, I'm going to go with Mississippi State. They opened the year with a 38-28 win over Louisiana. Again, the Bulldogs, ever since Dan Mullen left Starkville, I think have taken a drop off. In terms of their offense and how they're able to compete in the SEC West, Joe Moorhead got a lot of hype in Starkville when he was first hired, but now he has to prove what he can do. And this is going to be a big year for him and not the greatest of season openers. Only a 10-point win over Louisiana. At number nine, we'll give that slot to Missouri. They opened the season, as we talked about, with the loss to Wyoming. Again, really impressive numbers from Kelly Bryant, but alarming that their defense allowed Wyoming to score almost 40 points. That could be an issue for the Tigers throughout the season, but they do have a quarterback, and that's something that South Carolina doesn't have after Jake Bentley went down with the season-ending injury. I'll put the Gamecocks at number 10 on this list. It is hard to go through a season with a true freshman quarterback, and that's what the Gamecocks are facing now. The pressure is on Will Muschamp. We mentioned Vanderbilt. We'll put them at number 11 after they opened the season with a 30-6 loss. Really tough to face a team like Georgia in your first game, especially to open up in conference play and start the season 0-1. But the one thing that the Commodores can hang their hat on is that they are not the worst team in the league. And even though Arkansas got a win in its first game, not what you want to see in a 20-13 to victory over Portland State. The Razorbacks still struggling to get it going under their new coach and look like they have a difficult season ahead. And then Ole Miss, woo, not a good representation of the SEC. They lose their first game 15-10 to to Memphis. Former Florida quarterback commit Matt Corral makes his debut and is one that he will want to forget. Not the greatest performance from Corral and the Rebels start the season with an 0-1 skid. Memphis is a decent team but certainly doesn't have the talent that they should have beaten SEC squad so not a good showing from the Rebels and obviously not a good showing from Tennessee as they open the year with just an embarrassing loss to Georgia State we got them at number 14 are they the worst team in the SEC maybe not but when you lose a game like that to open the year you earn that spot now they're going to have to go into conference play and beat one of these other teams to show that they deserve to move up the list but things not looking good for Jeremy Pruitt right now and things not looking good for several former Gators who were cut over the weekend as NFL teams dwindled their rosters down to 53 players. Here are some of the guys that got their walking papers. Deontay Thompson was released by the Jets. The Broncos cut tight end Morrill Stevens and offensive lineman Chaz Green. The Raiders cut former Gators running back Mac Brown. The Giants cut former punter Johnny Townsend after he lost the punting competition. Voshan Joseph still with the Bills, but he's been placed on injured reserve. The Redskins cut defensive tackle Kerry Clark. The Bears cut defensive lineman Jonathan Bullard, but he was quickly picked up on Sunday by the Arizona Cardinals. You saw Tease Tabor get cut, as well as Brandon Powell. He's been picked up by the Falcons and signed to their practice squad. Brian Cox Jr. was cut by the Panthers, but he also got signed to the team's practice squad. Max Garcia, he got placed on Arizona's physically unable to perform list. In San Francisco, Marcel Harris and Chris Thompson were cut by the 49ers, but Harris was added to the team's practice squad. 
And some good news for former Gators, Eddie Pinero earns a spot on the Bears roster, wins the starting job. It was a kicking competition that featured nine different guys, and Eddie Pinero wins the job. So props to Eddie, and also props to Joey Ivey. The former Gators defensive lineman made the Chiefs 53-man roster. Really impressive effort by him. That'll do it for today's episode. On today's show, we discuss Jonathan Greener earning SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. We also discuss Florida's buck position and how they benefited from the recent transfers. We recapped week one of the college football slate, gave you our SEC power rankings, and also ran down the former Gators in the NFL. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll be joined by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. So make sure you guys stay tuned in to Locked On Gators, your team every day.